0: Hi, I'm Mike Sklens, and welcome to
1: episode 38 of Nintendo World Report's Connectivity. E3 is over, and we're back in the saddle. First up, the home and away teams combine forces and try their damnedest to be positive about E3 2012. We follow that with an end focus segment about the Pokemon Adventures manga, and in our third act, we finally discuss the most recent game club game, Metroid Other M. We'll be answering your listener mail questions about E3 and more next week, so be sure to send them to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. Enjoy the episode.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this segment of Connectivity. I am Scott Thompson, and
3: this week I'm joined by JP Corbin. Hey, Carmine Red. Hello, I'm Carmine. I'm Carmine Red, and I'm Nintendo positive. Carmine Red. <laughs> and Neil Ronaghan.
1: Hello, hello, hello. Yeah,
3: Carmine just got his test results back, and he has
2: indeed tested positive for Nintendo. Yes.
1: Um, I, I, I'm still waiting for my test results. They were negative at first, but then there was a, they, they thought they messed up something with the results. Yeah. Something popped up in the blood work. Yeah. He, it's like, it's like, they, I think they said it was something like an, an Epic Mickey power of illusion bug or something
2: <laughs> that came up in the bloodstream. Yeah. Yeah. You, you always got to watch out for that one. And yeah. It hides in there. So this segment of connectivity is going to be about E3 and, um, why we should all feel maybe a little more positive than we do. Well, about I think the, we should. Uh, call about the standing of Nintendo.
1: Positivity.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, I did joke when we did the 3DS, uh, reaction show last week. I called it negativity. So, yeah, maybe this will be our positivity show. Um, so, yeah, the three guys are here. They're going to talk, uh, well, JP and Neil were at E3. Uh, Carmine they... wasn't, uh, but it's just excited in general. And um, I've got some points, I kind of scoured the internet and, and gathered what I thought were some of the main uh, complaints, specifically about um, Nintendo's main E3 press conference. I kind of left the 3DS stuff, stuff out of here, um, it's mostly just about the Wii U stuff. Um, so we're going to talk about some of the main complaints, and they're going to tell you why you're wrong, and why you should feel pretty good about it. So, um, starting off, uh, the, the first thing, uh, only Pikmin. So it seemed the big complaint was that the only real great hardcore game coming out for the Wii U in any, you know, foreseeable future is Pikmin 3.
4: Well, from what Nintendo. about Zombie U?
3: Wait, wait, wait. I, I'm i just Project confused P100? when Mario
1: stopped mattering.
3: P100, P100's a good point, yeah.
5: Even from Nintendo, that's not accurate.
1: Yeah. Ninja Gun 3? <laughs> Ninja Gaon is I mean, not gonna be one... good, guys. Just, just uh, saying that. I know we're supposed to be positive, but I can't make a turd look good.
5: I, I had fun with it. I've never played Ninja Gaiden before. I played the demo on the show floor, and I kind of liked it. Wait, 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 but wait, apparently, that's like the nin- whole
1: game. Ninja
2: Gaiden, not Ninja Gaiden. Whatever. Yeah, Ninja Gaiden. So yeah, one big complaint seems to be that everyone uh, is convinced that the only game Nintendo is really going to put out for the next maybe five years is Pikmin 3. Well,
1: one, Dutch complete window.
2: Bullshit.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess the one thing is that this is what Nintendo's did, I think, to their detriment, is they focused on what's coming out in 2012, and, that's, you know, I guess I guess first, like, basically fiscal year, well, so ending that's March the problem. 2013. It's like,
6: if you
5: really look at it through the context of this is what's coming in the first, like, three months of the Wii U's life, yeah. it doesn't look as bad. But Nintendo doesn't make that point clear enough, and, and, and they people do not. look at... People look at what other companies do, and they expect Nintendo to announce stuff that's coming out late next year. And, well, I mean,
6: and
1: so... even even when you compare it to like you know E three two thousand six, which I've heard a lot of people compare it to, you know, there you had you had Mario Galaxy, you had Metroid Prime three, which weren't coming out until late two thousand seven, and that's the one thing that Nintendo didn't do this year is they only showed what was coming out for around the launch, and I it mean made, their term made... holiday and launch window.
5: I don't think they were clear enough with that in their messaging. I nope. mean, they, they needed to show more. They needed to either show more than that or just hammer the point home that this is launch window stuff. Yeah. There will be more events later on that show what's coming after that.
3: Yep. And I think um, isn't, isn't – I mean, so maybe maybe the thing is I can understand being disappointed about the Nintendo conference and about how they presented it. Yes. But I don't understand be looking at that and saying, you know, and feeling like the Wii U has no future when you've got so much more than Pikmin 3 just at launch. And then, like it, you said, that launch looks awesome.
1: What I will say is,
5: Carmen, I think you, you put it a good way. It's uh, the most I think I'm upset about is how they presented it. Because even if you're only focusing on the launch window, they could have structured that conference better and shown more things than they did and maybe not spent half the show on Nintendo Land, even though that's good. <laughs> Nintendo Land's fun. I had fun with all five games on the show floor, but it didn't need to be as much of the press conference as it was. I mean, I think yeah, they, they just... Was but was Wasn't true.
3: Nintendo Land like the last, what, 10 minutes? 15. It was more than
5: that, at least 15
1: well, I think what did happen is we did find out that that firework display at the end, there were supposed to be streamers and shit that came down. Um, yes. We were actually talking to uh, a editor from Nintendo Power who had a streamer fall on his head, and that just basically didn't happen. <laughs> um, so when they were like, get ready for the fireworks, like that's there were supposed to be more to it, but there wasn't, yeah. and it malfunctioned. And also... That's great it metaphorically. Seem- really right, right, exactly. <laughs> um, it seems to be that Retro's game was slated to be shown off, but at the last minute, they kind of said, hey guys, it's not ready. And that kind of makes, uh, I mean, whether or not that's completely true, we don't really know, but if you look at that press conference, it makes sense. If
5: that is true, I've had this theory, Is like I used to think the opposite, but I think... The fact that they didn't think it was ready leads me to believe that retro is working on something new because if they're making Zelda or Star Fox, it's easy to put together a bullshit trailer and say, look what we're doing and get the fans excited. I think retro is doing something new.
6: Yeah. Yeah, that makes
2: sense. I mean, if it's a new IP, you can't just show a a simple trailer. There's got to be more to it than that. If you're going to try to sell people on it. Hey, you know,
5: optimism. That's what I'm going to say. I'm going to believe that (laughs) retro's got something great showing and that's going to be at next year's E3 and it's going to be their holiday title next year.
1: What Whatever Retro Retro's doing, I assume, will be pretty interesting. So, uh, it sucks that we didn't get to see it this year.
5: They're probably Nintendo's best studio. I don't know if, you know, Iwata sees it that way, but I, I think a lot of the fans, at least in this country, do it, and so I'm very excited to see what they're doing. But, regardless, that was never coming out this year. Really, you really look at what they've done, that, like, even if they'd announced it at the show, this was their holiday title next year, even if it was here. So,
1: Yep. I mean people are saying that oh Donkey Kong Country Returns came out in two thousand ten. They should be ready for two thousand twelve. But they they helped out with Mario Kart seven and it wasn't the full team, but it was enough of the team that they kinda delayed them going into full production on this game until I think I think summer two thousand eleven was when they started staffing up.
5: Yeah, you said they, they really they, they really somebody said they pillaged the entire Austin, Texas gaming scene. They really yeah. staffed up at that point. So oof. Yep. And that's like two and a half, two, two and a half years until next holiday, which I think is when that game's coming out. So yeah. and I
3: mean, I guess we'll we're all talking about retro, but um, I mean, there's so many other studios we haven't seen from. Look at
5: the
1: launch. The launch is great.
5: Really? Yes. Neil's right. This launch, I mean, largely thanks to third parties and even, I mean, Nintendo's like something like P100, which is developed by a third party published by Nintendo. But stuff like Zombie U, which even though, as I've said, I am a probably a massive Pikmin fanboy and Zombie U was still probably my game of the show because that game really impressed me with what it did with single player and multiplayer and everything and I'm very excited for that game
1: I mean there's always a, there is the potential with Zombie U that it could, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, Red Steel out um, <laughs> but it, this definitely this idea sounds a lot more fundamentally sound than Red Steel
5: Really the problem with Red Steel was the controls mainly Yeah and this game uses standard controls,
3: and also the gameplay was kind of dog shit. But well, well, what was what was what was the thing about like Zombie U? You guys actually got to play it. I was sitting at home watching the live stream. They didn't show gameplay really, so it was from all of the.
5: That's the thing. They should that Nintendo should have done that in the press conference. Really, they shouldn't focused on Batman. Yeah, they should have focused on Zombie U, which is at least a timed exclusive.
1: At E3, there was three different Zombie U demos, one of which I only found out about after the show ended, that JP played, and that was a single-player campaign. There was also a single-player sort of, I guess, like a high-score arcade kind of mode where you basically survive as long as you can, and if you get bit by one zombie, you lose, you're done, and then you can respawn as another character and then go and kill the character that you were just playing as and get your shit back.
5: I didn't get to play that one. I played the campaign and the multiplayer.
1: Yeah, that might have only been at Ubisoft's booth, because that's, that's where I played that. Um, then they also had the multiplayer, which is the stuff that was shown off with Killer Freaks at last E3, which is where you have one person on the gamepad kind of playing a real-time strategy, while there's a, another person with a pro controller playing a first-person shooter.
5: And I thought that was great.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I really think all three parts of that. I didn't get to check out the campaign, so I can't speak of that. But the campaign is th- good. All I mean very was, promising. I mean,
5: there's the concern that it may be more linear than we'd like it to be. But I mean, but then you have the it, other modes
1: that kind of yes. S- I I, help I really it. think
5: it it's shaping up to be a pretty meaty experience. I mean, from what we've seen, we've only seen a bit, but it looks. I I think it shows that this game has been in development for a while because I mean, it may have radically changed, but it was at last year's E3. This this isn't, like, slapped together. They've been working on this for a while, and it kind of shows through some of the stuff they've done. Yeah,
3: and it looks really good. And all I yeah, know is I can't wait to message OctoG123 about that darn zombie. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that damn
1: boss with the antibodies and stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, other other stuff that look really promising? Uh, Rayman Legends, I mean, that's going to be a multi-platform game, but it's got some exclusive Wii U stuff with the, uh, the stuff on the gamepad.
3: Is it going to be multi-platform? Because have they announced...
1: Yes. Okay. They have not officially announced it for any other platforms, but... Um... I mean, basically at E3, all they were talking about was the the demo that they were showing off. They were not saying anything else about that game.
2: Well, because, yeah, because during E3, I don't know if if you guys followed it at all because you were probably busy, but on Twitter, like, it just sort of came out that it was like that was going to be a Wii U exclusive game, and it never officially anywhere that I saw, but, like, that was kind of what people were talking about.
5: Maybe it'll be a timed exclusive.
3: Or maybe maybe the Wii U will be the one that they show, but really it's on the shelf for other systems.
5: I think Wii U will be the focus, and I mean, yeah. I think that the tablet functionality was handled very well. I mean, certain I, I thought, I thought the the Rayman did it better than Mario, but they both did kind of the same thing, which, which I thought added to both games.
1: We also did. Uh, we didn't see the near field communication stuff, but I was talking to one of the developers there while I was playing the demo, and he made the comment to me that it's just like, yeah, you know, we're uh, we're we're investigating it. You'll probably see what our findings are by the end of the year, if it's in or not. <laughs>
2: As if we didn't all see that video that we two Yeah, well, no, that's when I ago. directly
1: asked him about <laughs> the leaked video, and he's just like, that wasn't supposed to get out there. He was, a, <laughs> he was a fun Frenchman.
2: Yeah, we just went through all the effort of making that highly produced video with stuff we're not going to use.
5: Which does, I mean, if if he said it similar to that way, that kind of means that, yeah, we did do that, and so...
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Ubisoft confirmed that they, that, that video was by them. It was just meant, it was proof of concept.
2: Mm. Yeah. So, um, alright, we've already addressed a few of my points. Um One other thing I've seen, where the hell is F-Zero, Donkey Kong, Metroid, etc.? oh isn't,
3: isn't that the question every E3? Keep your fucking pants
7: on.
5: F-Zero, <sighs> though... We we answered that question. F- did they, that was in the press conference, wasn't it? it or maybe the developer. Oh no, that one. was F-Zero, in the developer roundtable. It was in the developer roundtable. F Zero is in Nintendo Land and Metroid as well. I think, right?
2: I was gonna say they all showed up, and so is Donkey Kong. They all showed up in Nintendo Land. Well,
3: well, the point. Well, I I don't think I don't think the people are asking for like, where's my F Zero spinoff in Nintendo Land. I think people are really earnestly <laughs> wondering.
5: I I know that was more of a of a joke there.
3: People really got riled up before, and they were hoping that, you know, we will see an F-Zero, we'll see a Star Fox.
5: I thought it was unrealistic to expect F-Zero from the beginning. I I thought that I was kind of, I didn't think that was going to be there. I didn't think Metroid was going to be there. I think Nintendo wants to take a break from Metroid. Star Fox, I was disappointed.
3: What? Did anyone expect, what what were the games, F-Zero, Star Fox? I mean, Star Fox has been sort of...
5: I think Star, Star Fox had a lot of talk. I don't know. It yeah. probably wasn't based on anything, but there was a lot of talk of Star Fox on
1: Wii U at that show. There was a cleverly made uh, fake on that I think circulated on game FAQs or something, where it's Star Fox United with the U from Wii U as the U yeah. of United. But that was I mean, bullshit.
5: Nintendo could have done more than they did, and they could have handled it better. But really, we had incredibly high expectations for this show.
1: Well, the problem with it is that everything that was announced, with the exception of Project P100, we knew about already. And I think yeah. Project P100 looks great, but that's not it the does. kind of game that's going to make fanboys wet themselves.
3: Well, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, everybody came out like talking about Project P100 as if Nintendo really should have shown that at the conference.
1: Well, what happened with that, it was an exclusive on Spike TV.
5: Mm-hmm. I, I get that. Yeah. It shouldn't have been...
1: Well, they, they got on Spike TV, and I think the logic yes. of that is probably the Spike TV audience would give more of a shit of Project P100 than the people watching the press conference, which, I mean, we do need to take into account that the press conference is not just for us, it's for CNN, it's for everybody, and while I still think the press conference was, on the whole, pretty crappy, um, you know, that's that, that was their goal with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, other people from Nintendo that were manning the booth, especially
3: the guys on P100, were like, I don't even know why this wasn't in the press conference. So is this coming back to, like, people want to see what Nintendo's doing next year? Because... Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'd get, I get the sense that, like, Nintendo wanted to, like, just hit the floor with, like, 20 games and say, this is all coming out launch window, and look, we have momentum, unlike what we had with the 3DS. You know, I think that's going to be coloring Nintendo's yeah. strategy. The 3DS thing is going to be coloring... Their release strategy a lot going forward, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we can. I don't know if it's. I guess you can be disappointed if you went in there expecting like a blowout for the next two or three years, but Nintendo's controlling things a lot more.
1: Yeah, I expected to see a lot more of a tease for you know a big game in 2013. When really all we got was here's what's coming out in 2012, and some stuff that might slip into early 2013.
3: Well, what about if there haven't has there? I don't know if it's been officially like confirmed anywhere, but it, there's a lot of talk about Nintendo doing further reveals through the summer and Japanese third parties.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's that, which I don't really know where those rumors originated. I, I heard them at E3, so it was kind of hard to figure out where exactly they came from. And
5: we know that EA's going to be doing something in, we think, July.
1: Well, I mean, confirmed, end of July. Uh, okay. I talked to uh, my, my buddy over at EA... Julie Foster.
5: Yeah, you got you got hard confirmation because that that just it was like hinted at everybody. When I was at the EA booth, I spent a decent amount of time in the EA booth talking to people, and nobody was willing to say anything to me about, beyond like you know check back in a couple months. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and end of meeting. July we will find out about what EA has on Wii U. It might end up just being Madden and FIFA. Um and then Mass, Mass effect, effect of course, but there might be there might be more. I know. Yes. I think it was somebody from like the EA, like a president or executive from the EA games division, made a comment about how like we will have at least two more game reveals on Wii U later this summer. And then Activision also hasn't officially confirmed that Skylanders Giants is coming to Wii U, but that is coming. Um, their yeah. CEO said it in an interview during E3, but everyone else from the company denies it. We
5: just broke today that it does. It's looking very strong that Call of Duty Black Ops Two will be on the Wii U. This fall.
2: Yeah.
6: Which
5: um, I mean, I'm probably not going to buy it, but it's good to have. You know. Yeah, yeah I mean that's
2: important. It's an important. No, I, um,
3: I actually caught a bit of that uh, presentation on the Microsoft conference, and uh, I'm I'm excited for it. I've bought every Call of Duty on the Wii, so I was hoping yeah, for it. Black that Ops Two part. looks looks pretty good for a it Call of Duty game. It does look good. Game.
5: You know. Yeah, it's like I don't. I mean, I'm but, not that interested in call of duty. It looks like a really good one, but it's just not my thing, but I'm glad it's there. You want to get as much third party support as you can, and it's looking like pretty strong so far
1: and I think the problem is is that we we will hear more third party stuff as you know the summer goes on, probably going up until early fall. but the yeah. thing is is that you know the the uh, the question that everyone will ask is what was in the duty three and you even had i think uh Shane Satterfield at Game Trailers made the comment before E3 about how, like, you know, Wii U's going to have a great launch. There's a couple games that I heard about that are coming to it that's really exciting. And then he followed that up at E3 being like, hey, that one game that I was really looking forward to on Wii U wasn't even announced at E3, so... Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
5: and I think it's it seems almost like... Nintendo wanted Ubisoft to get a wide berth with what they were announcing, because Ubisoft clearly had the most Wii U stuff of anybody. Really, it was them. They have
1: eight games coming out this year.
5: Basically, like, yes, they have eight games coming out for Wii U this year, and maybe three of them look really good. But, like, who else? I I don't... Were there any other... Tekken. But besides Tekken, were there any Wii U games outside of Ubisoft or Nintendo's booth?
1: Well, Tekken wasn't Outside, I mean, Tekken was playable on other systems.
5: Yeah, that's true, but I mean, what's like, were there announcements from, I mean, yeah, I guess not even playable, but were there announcements?
1: There were stealthy ones, like Sonic and All Stars Racing Transformed. Bunch of eShop announcements, yeah. also.
5: Yeah, well, you got a good eShop. I mean, really, the eShop early on for you is looking strong.
1: You got Runner 2 and Shrine 2, and I think the strength of both of those games would make me buy the system by itself. <laughs>
3: Cloudberry Kingdom. Yeah. You see I think I think it's 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 easy to it's easier to find things to be positive about if you didn't just watch the press conference and then turn it off and then yeah, stop there. That's that's yep. the
5: thing. The press conference if you just watch Nintendo's press conference I can completely understand why you are underwhelmed by the E3 presentation because I I think in terms of Nintendo it was probably the low point unless you maybe want to consider the 3DS showcase. But I mean, really, you look at everything else that happened at the show. There, I mean, we even just look at Nintendo's booth. There was a lot of stuff at Nintendo's booth that we've got impressions of on the site that was really good, that wasn't mentioned in the press conference. And like, and
1: what, P100? And P100 what, especially. What else?
5: Um, I guess, I guess more <laughs> the third-party stuff. I mean...
1: I, I, I'm dead serious, dude. I, what, <laughs> what else wasn't mentioned in the press conference that was at the booth?
3: Well, I mean, well, for example... I needed to see certain things in motion because uh, I know at the press conference they said, "Oh, and then there's Netflix and Hulu and stuff." And then I watched uh, the NWR video on Netflix, and just seeing it, it hit me how excited I am for this. You know, I saw oh, it, I man, got teary, I, I, I showed it to my dad and stuff. So you I mean, get, it's
1: you get to see my just... honest reaction in that video where I'm just like, yeah, at one yeah. point, I just go, "Holy shit!"
3: <laughs> <laughs> so that's 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 the stuff you have. That you get excited for that you don't see at, when Nintendo is up there on stage. You have to see the games, you have to realize that when you're playing it, there's this whole experience that you don't get when Reggie's up there talking. Yeah. yeah. You know, I
2: had this um, thought about, you know, Nintendo not having some big reveal right at the end of the conference. And um I'm kind of glad they didn't. I don't think you need to do that every <laughs> year. It it kinda gets I do overplayed that way. And I, I think it loses <laughs> some I, I think it loses some of its like excitement and sort of uh I don't know, like like and I don't know, it just, it just becomes overplayed. I mean, I was thinking of, like, when you go to a concert or a show and you see a band play. And, I mean, now it's pretty much expected that mm-hmm. the headlining band's going to come out for an encore. Like, you barely, you can have, like, a half-hearted cheer for an encore and the band will come out because it's expected. Or, like, going to see a movie now where it's, like, you have to sit through the credits because almost every movie now has some stupid little teaser at the end of the credits. It's, like, it, that shouldn't just be guaranteed. Like, that should just only be for the special occasions, you know, and I, I, I'm I'm okay with not every single year E3, you know, conferences ending with some little, like, 10-second trailer, like, showing that a game's going to come out, like, in three years. Yeah,
5: but see, I don't think you need that necessarily at every show, but I think this specific show needed that.
3: I agree. I think people would have been, I can see people being a lot happier with something like that.
5: I think if they had shown even a bullshit concept trailer for Restro's game coming in with, like, saying 2013... I think a lot of people would have felt a lot better about that show.
1: Well, I mean, the one thing is that you got to you got to look at two past examples of this. One, the response to Watch Dogs with Ubisoft was fucking incredible. Oh, man, it was that likely was great. The biggest buzz in the entire show was Watch Dogs, which is a game that won't no. come out for another 2-3 years. And then the and other I'm thing that, that the other case study with this is that, you know, Metroid Other M you know, you look at that now, and people kind of don't really like the game, but when that trailer hit, and that's really all we knew about the game for about nine months, yeah. like, the buzz for that game was ridiculous. And that's they the thing, that. is that, like, I, I kind of see where you're coming from, Scott, but at the same point, like, it's a good way to kind of manufacture hype and not have to prove its worth right away. Um, which, I mean, n- not really, not, not saying that, like, that's the best thing for the game, but just that you know when you do something like that then you know Nintendo has this rough press conference if they ended it on like a, a grand slam where it's like oh guess what new new F0 game coming out in 2013 then people will be like, well, Nintendo Land kind of sucked, but dude, did you see that F-Zero trailer?
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess, but I mean, I just feel like we're all adults, and we can assume that at some point another F-Zero or Metroid or Donkey Kong game is going to come out. Don't you know? assume it's just like
5: that. This is gaming yeah, media I- here. I mean, <laughs> We may be willing to give Nintendo the benefit of the doubt, but a lot of the people who were watching that show won't be, and Nintendo needed to wow them, and they kind of wasted that opportunity.
1: I think Andy made the comment to me about how he's like, either Nintendo is just terrible at E3, or they have nothing to show. And we both kind of agreed that it's just Nintendo kind of doesn't know how to do E3 anymore.
5: Yeah, I I think that's the case. I mean, even, like, as I said before, this is, even if you just consider the stuff that Nintendo had to show, they handled it poorly.
3: But this is positivity! (laughs) <laughs> no no I mean they they came in and they showed 20 Wii U games so they came in with what they thought was an aggressive show you know they were trying to hit all these games so it's really just them learning about how they actually want to message it and market it and, and I think that again that's affected by the fact that they're only looking at the launch window you know right. and they're just and and basically with the the I don't think we're going to go through the summer without hearing new stuff so I feel like E3 is just the kick just the beginning of a season of reveals for the Wii U and of course if that doesn't happen then we've got a serious problem but I'm definitely looking just at launch window and I'm already going to be, you know, broke. My my Thank list you. of games that I want to buy is has increased and I'm actually happy some games have been delayed out of that because I'm <laughs> like, "Oh phew, I've got some breathing space now." Right, exactly. But um I do I do hope that you hear yeah and you do hope that you hear more. I think it's fair to say that you want to hear more, you know, but just within that, just looking at this year, there's just a ton of stuff to look forward to. And you can, I think, I think it's fine to look for more, but you have to be happy with this fall, you know, 2012.
5: That's the thing. I mean, I'm going to say that, you know, I'm positive about the lineup that we use going to have at in your launch. Okay, that I'm definitely positive about, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm negative about Nintendo in the sense that I don't think they did a good job showing that off, because I think it's a lot better than they made it seem. And I think a lot of people are responding to Nintendo's press conference rather than to what's actually there for the Wii U, and I think the former is disappointing, but the latter is very strong. Well,
1: I mean, if I may bring the 3DS into this for a little bit, because that was a, kind of my bone of contention with a lot of the show, was that if you walk through Nintendo's booth, there was nary a 3DS unit in sight, except for attached to some girls wearing Mario and Luigi hats that were roaming the roaming Nintendo's booth. It was all Wii U all the time, pretty much. And we only saw three Nintendo games on 3DS, you know, Paper Mario, Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon, and New Super Mario Bros. 2. But you had those three games, and if you look at it, and like, if that's Nintendo's second half of the year, if those are the only games they have, that's that's really depressing in all honesty. I mean, the 3DS lineup does look solid, but it feels like it's it's missing a whole lot. But then you look at you look at you look at how new Nintendo is with Nintendo Directs every couple months with, you know, they they're kind of focused narrow 6-month E3 announcements. And I think what's going to happen is that probably in July we'll have another Nintendo Direct. They'll reveal some more, you know, Wii U games. They'll be like, "Hey, guess what? Layton 5 and Animal Crossing and Fire Emblem" all coming to North America this fall, and then every, everything will be better. But the problem is is that Nintendo's not doing a good job of conveying this kind of new method of doing things. And, I mean, we're just speculating onto how they're doing things, and, yeah.
5: Nintendo's not clear enough with how they are doing... Like, Nintendo's playing by their own rules in terms of PR, Like, what everybody else uses E3 as is a big stage to make huge announcements for everything that's coming in, like, the next year. That's not what Nintendo does. And they don't do a good enough job of communicating that they're doing it differently. So that, compare what Nintendo's doing to what other companies are doing, even though they're kind of doing different things. And it's generally not flattering to Nintendo as of how they do it. Which I think, I I think that's really, I think, the problem with Nintendo is that they're doing pretty differently than most everybody else does, and they're not effectively communicating that, so they don't look as good by comparison.
3: So what I'm hearing is, like, we're positive on the actual stuff that we, that we got to play at E3, but we're negative on how Nintendo talked about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, it was the kind of thing um, you can have my thought. My thoughts were captured pretty well, I thought, on the like the immediate reaction podcast that we did in the media room at E3 after the press conference. And I I assume I made a comment along the lines of I have a feeling that once I play everything I won't be angry anymore. anymore. And I'm still a little angry, still think it was a shitty press conference, but after playing Wii U, like I cannot wait for that. Um, you know, having it's it's been it's been, yeah, I guess what, five four or five days since I last Me, touched the yes, thing and I'm already um... fiending for more. Like I wanna <laughs> I wanna play Rayman, I wanna play Zombie U, I wanna play Pikmin Three, I wanna play new Super Mario Brothers U, I wanna play more than the Nintendo five Land days. stuff. I'm, you know, trying to... There's just there's a laundry list of games that I want to play right now. And the wait until November, or whenever it comes out, is going to be killing me.
5: And, and one thing I will say about Nintendo Land, and I'm going to draw the comparison to Pac-Man Versus, and not just because two of the games in Nintendo Land are basically Pac-Man Versus, that people... It probably shouldn't have been as much of a part of the press conference as it was. They focused on it too much, I think, for at least for people like us. You're right. For people like CNN, that's a huge part of it. But for us, they needed to spend less time on that. But what was there in Nintendo Land was really good. (laughs) 4 out of 5.
3: 80% really good percentage.
5: Yeah, that wasn't that great. But the rest of it was really good.
3: Solid B. (laughs) Yeah, the
5: two, Animal Crossing and Luigi's Mansion and Donkey Kong and Zelda were all really good, and I can't wait to play those again. Those are going to be, well, not Donkey Kong because that's single player, but the rest of them are going to be great in multiplayer.
1: If you paid attention to the developer roundtable, Gucci made the comment that every mode will have single player and multiplayer (sighs) options for all ranges of players. Oh, that's going to be great. So I think in theory, you could play you know, Animal Crossing Sweet Day with five people or just three. And it would kind of scale down or up, depending on how many people are playing. I don't really know how greatly this will affect the games that we saw as multiplayer experiences versus the ones we saw as single-player experiences at E3, but from what Gucci said during the developer roundtable, every
3: single game will have single-player and multiplayer options.
5: I'm interested to see how they do multiplayer in Donkey
3: Kong. I am too. And I want to see how they uh, scale it down for that Zelda battle game.
1: Well, scale it up, too, because you got to think you could have... Well, I've only uh, got
3: the one brother. I don't know who else I can hook <laughs> in on this, you know? I'm going to teach the cat to play? Maybe. I will say that N- Nintendo Land strikes me as, like, it, it's
2: sort of like Wii Sports, but instead of just this bland uh, sort of, F- uh, you know, like, me aesthetic that we yeah, got with that, now simple. it's got, like, a, N- a Nintendo sheen on it, you know? Like it, it draws from all Nintendo's, like you know franchises which is great. I mean why shouldn't they why shouldn't they use that and like flaunt that? Well, I think I think it's just messaging. This isn't
5: just a collection of tech demos. I mean, this is this is something where they really put a lot of work into this. I think it showed. I mean, they they like these are really good and some of them are just, you know, demos that we saw last year with different kind of themes to them, but it yeah. looks like they there's a lot of work went into this. I'm very interested to play this. And to the point that even if it's not bundled in, I may pick it up because I had a lot of fun with it.
1: Well, I mean, the thing is with it, too, is that we did see that hub world, which, in all honesty, from what they showed that off, was very, very boring. But, <laughs> however, <laughs> if you remember what we knew about Super Mario 3D Land at last E3, there were a lot of people that were underwhelmed. And then as we learned more about that game you know, everyone got more excited and the game finally came out and it was fucking it's awesome. There's a long
5: time between now and November.
6: Yeah, and I, I mean, think that they
1: have a PR plan for everything planned out and hopefully hope there will so. be more to that hub world that will be like character interaction, maybe some clever unlockables. I mean, who knows? Hopefully it'll be better. I have, I have faith that Nintendo won't completely fuck up their marquee game for the system. Um, I right. think it'll be pretty fully developed. It looks like it will be. I mean, when you have... 12 games with single-player multiplayer modes, and they were talking about that Zelda Battle Quest game having not just two, not just three, but numerous stages. Like, that's that's all pretty exciting that you could potentially have 12 separate games inside of one, and they could be yeah. kind of more fully featured.
3: Yeah, the sense I got from Nintendo Land was that Nintendo was actually pushing it. They were really proud of what it was, and they were really looking at it as something that would... You know, they they talked about it as if they wanted it to go to towards more of a game experience than Wii Sports and I just don't think that a lot of people watching the conference got that Nintendo was really happy with this product because they spent a lot of time on it not only did they do it in the press conference but they talked about it afterwards in that separate event and then when I I think you have to just play it to get a sense of it and I haven't played it yet in all honesty so.
5: That's the thing, and that's that's exactly why it shouldn't have been as much of the press conference as it was. Because it doesn't look as good as it is when you're just watching it in demo form. You need to play that game. Once you play it, you're like, yeah, this is really good. But spending 15 minutes of the press conference on it isn't going to get that across.
3: This actually sounds familiar. It's like, this is sort of what Nintendo said when the 3DS came out, and then it was like... Uh, It was going slow. They said, you know, we're having a lot of trouble getting people to just look at videos of this and realize why they should be happy with it. So they had to, you know, I think it's a messaging thing that Nintendo will have to figure out going forward. And I look forward to them doing that. They obviously have some work to do. But with that whole PR thing aside, that doesn't affect how much fun I have playing a game, you know. Exactly. I had a
5: lot of fun with basically everything I played at Nintendo. At E3, I mean, really, there, there is a lot of good stuff there, and and you know, I I after playing all that, I am hugely excited. I am buying a Wii U day one because there is going to be a lot of great stuff there, and there's still announcements coming between now and then. So I am really looking forward to this.
3: And uh, Neil, I just wanted to say, I know you were disappointed with the 3ds, but imagine how disappointed all the Sony fans are with uh Vita.
1: Um, <laughs> actually, no. <laughs> As a Vita owner, walking through the Sony booth, I'm very excited.
5: Yeah, really, there was a good amount of stuff. They didn't talk about it in the press conference, but there was a, there was a decent amount of stuff there in the Sony booth.
3: So again, you, you have to go beyond the press conference to get a right. sense of you know, what's coming down and what you can be excited about. But see, yeah. that's yeah. the
1: thing is that I went beyond the press conference with the 3DS and I'm still pissed off.
5: That's really the problem. <laughs> there wasn't anything beyond the press conference with the 3 ds
1: I mean that's the thing at Sony's booth. there was like I don't know something like fifty Vita systems out, maybe more there
5: were there were a lot of them, yeah
1: there was probably about you know fifteen 20 games playable uh in their booth, whereas at Nintendo you had four two of one of which was only on one day, and two of
2: which were third party. And yeah. yet the yet the three d s will probably still have double the sales oh, that we yeah, of by course. the end of the year <laughs> I mean that's the thing is
1: that when when I talk about how disappointing the three d s is when I talk about how disappointing the three d s was it's focused squarely on how it was at e three like I mean, I can't wait for all three of the three d s games that Nintendo showed off. I can't wait for epic mickey i'm I'm gonna shit on that Castlevania game, but I will probably pick it up when it comes out. Um, yeah. you know, Kingdom Hearts, some of the rhythm. Like I
5: played like Escape Factor from
1: Yeah
5: New Studios, and and like it's <laughs> like that was fun. There's a lot of content there. I'm looking forward to
3: that. Cave Story Plus. And the thing is, I just lost my 3DS last week, and oh, shit. and and I was like, oh, do I hold off for Animal Crossing? You know, and and then I realized I can't do that. I'm I'm waiting for games in the next two months that I want to play with the 3DS. I I never intended to buy a three DS until Animal Crossing came out, and now I'm now I'm sort of hooked. So, do you have a police report so you can get your downloads back? Uh, no, it's ah. lost lost. I mean I don't know. I left it at a a hospital. Oh jeez, that sucks. Um, I think that's what happened. I don't
2: know. <laughs> I think I feel like we're kind of wrapping up, so we'll each kind of go around and and, and say something in closing, but. I just want to say that um, I wouldn't let Nintendo's E3 press conference kind of paint uh, your image of the Wii U and, and what launch will be like and what the next six months will be. Um, I think there will be more announcements. I think Nintendo has changed their sort of strategy with these press conferences. In the past few years, it seems like they primarily only talk about games that are coming out you know, within that year. They're never really talking about things that are that far off. Um and I, I think we'll just get more announcements as, as time goes along and between Nintendo Direct or, you know, TGS or just a- anything. Um, I think they've just changed their approach, and, you are you know, you're not going to get them talking about things that are way out in the future. They only want to talk about, like, what's concrete, what's really playable, and what's coming. So I, I, it didn't really bother me. I mean, between Pikmin, and we didn't really talk about it, but New Super Mario Bros. U is, like, all I want right now. Yeah, so.
1: both of those game looks. Uh-huh fantastic
2: yeah so I, i'm i'm happy and all those other things the marios the other mario you know the 3d marios or the uh starfoxes or f-zeros i think we'll i think we'll get those except maybe f-zero because i kind of feel like that series is sort of dead in the water but we'll see No. But it, 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 yeah, i know but it's all it's all to me it's all just inevitable you know it's just what is it this year next year you know like i i can be patient i can wait i don't I, they don't need to have a sequel to every single franchise they own every year
1: i just want the fucking system right now I want it right now, really? and I'm gonna yeah, pout I, my feet. I, I'm gonna pout and stomp my feet until I get it. So I'll exactly. see you guys in I th- five months.
2: I th- yeah, I think, <laughs> I, think the launch, I think the launch lineup is, is solid compared to any of the you know think of the PS3 and the 360. I mean, what standout launch games Perfect were there Dark. for either? Yeah, Perfect Dark was terrible. Actually, Resistance Resistance is like the most generic shooter I've ever played in my life. So it's just like you know, I I'm not there's so many great games right from the start. I, I just don't see how you can really be upset when you kinda just calm down and you and you and you look what's there objectively. So yeah. that that's my two cents.
1: Um I guess my my final thought is that as far as all the stuff with people crying bloody murder about, you know, some third party games that are coming out this year or ones that are scheduled for two thousand thirteen, but them not coming to Wii U, I think just, just chill the fuck out. Because I think those games that are coming out later, you know what, we'll probably hear about a Wii U version later. And in some of the games that are coming out before, you know what, those games might be, you know, on a, on a very tight schedule to come out, like, in September or October. And maybe they didn't have time to do a Wii U SKU Because even though the, the architecture is similar to 360 or PS3, you know, it's still new architecture. So with something like Resident Evil 6, you know what, if that 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 game's probably Capcom's busting their ass to get that game out in October. And I have a feeling it wasn't necessarily they didn't want to make a Wii U version, but it probably just, they couldn't make a Wii U version in the time that they had for the game and the budget that they had. Um, and I think you're going to run into that problem, unfortunately, with you know a number of games coming out in 2012 and early 2000, 2013. I think we can start saying that Nintendo done fucked up with third parties if they don't get... Like every everything or most everything in 2013, and like holiday. Um, there you go. But yeah, uh, Epic Mickey Power Evolution is my game of show. That game looks awesome. And I'm done.
5: <laughs> I guess I'll say that I, I mean, Nintendo's press conference was disappointing, but really what was there at the show was great. There is going to be a whole lot of good stuff there at the Wii U launch, and we haven't even heard everything yet. I think even what we know now is a really good launch, better than most consoles launch with, and we we haven't even seen everything that's going to be there yet. So I would say... You know, don't be too negative about it yet. I mean, if we, if 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 it's like October and we haven't heard much of anything more than this, then I suppose you can start getting negative. But I think there's going to be a lot of information coming out over the next few months, and I think we're going to know a lot more, and we're going to know about a lot more games coming. And I'm optimistic. I I I can't wait for the Wii U. I will be buying one day one, and I I really really look forward to it. Really, hopefully. Hopefully you've heard what we've said here and maybe change your tune a little bit if you were being too negative about it.
3: And, uh, I'm I'm a little jealous mm. of mm. you, Neil and uh, JP. I mean, you guys were both there, so I guess I have a little bit of a different perspective. And also, you know, I'm a, I'm a one console sort of guy. So I'm just looking at this. I mean, I, I, sat, I had to sit down and I made a list and I listed the games I wanted to buy and I bumped a lot of them to maybes because the list was getting too long. And this launch is just looking really balanced. I mean, there there are like four exclusives on my list, and then four ports of uh, games that I could never have played before on a Nintendo console, and now I'm going to get that chance to play them. You know, I, I so quick and then there's eShop Carmine, also at launch.
1: Yeah. Carmine, are you in, are you going to get Batman: Arkham City? Are you very excited to get that game? Yes, on Wii U? I I I've heard right, so that, much that about is, it. that is the fourth person on the NWR staff that is looking forward to getting that game on Wii U. Because they never played it last year, which I mean, us us that are, you know, super into video games and everything can talk about how, oh, everybody who played Batman already wanted to play it. But we have four people on the Nintendo World Report staff that I know of that have not played that game before and are excited to get it on Wii U. I haven't
6: played and,
1: and...
5: it before and I have no interest in it because I don't care about <laughs> Batman.
3: Oh that's that's what? also acceptable. <laughs> And, no, and seriously, Mass Effect 3, okay, guys, Mass Effect 3, that was snuck in there and it blew my mind. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I know people for are complaining well. about not having a 1 and 2, but I'm happy that I'm getting the chance at all. I never thought this would happen. You know, Mass Effect was on my list of that's never going to happen. Yeah, well,
2: I, I sincerely hope, though, that they will make it one big collection with one and two because you could play three but really you, you you need to play one and two. <laughs>
5: Microsoft owns the exclusive rights to the first one. That's not ever gonna be ported to another. Well, wait console no 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 it. no
2: one, one came to PS two. No, no it didn't they had, like, it a did it one didn't. Oh I thought I thought they both did. Nope. Okay. Well either way, two and three. One's kinda shitty now anyway. <laughs> <laughs> two and three are <laughs> worth playing. So but, yeah. Well there you go. I think that'll do it. Wee-oo, wee-oo, wee-oo. <laughs> uh so thanks guys for joining me. Uh, yeah, hopefully up. you, the listener, are uh, maybe feeling a little bit better now, but maybe not. Uh, if, if
1: you're you still can... not feeling better or if you're feeling really good, email us at connectivity at Nintendo World Report com and, uh, yeah. and we will discuss about what you are writing in.
2: Yes, we, we got, we've already gotten some listener mail uh, after E3, so I think next week will be a big listener mail uh, segment. Yes, so yes. if you've got thoughts, send them in, be and we dramatic. will read them. There you go. All right, guys, well, thanks a lot, well, and uh, we'll be, uh, see you later. Bye. Yeah.
7: Stay tuned. This week on InFocus, I delve into the Pokemon manga. Welcome to this week's End Focus, I'm your host Nicholas Bray and this week we'll be looking at the Pokemon Adventures manga. The series started around the time that Pokemon was getting popularity in Japan. The story of the manga is written by Hidenori Kusaka and for the first 9 volumes was illustrated by someone named Mato, after which illustrating duties were taken over by Satoshi Yamamoto. The series is called Pocket Monsters Special in Japan, while the English translations are known as Pokemon Adventures. The manga changes main characters to reflect the current generation of the Pokemon games, although the older characters do still make appearances and are involved in the stories. Early last decade, the manga started to be released by a company called Viz Media, although sadly the series was discontinued at the end of Volume 7. These releases also flipped the artwork to read from left to right, which was common with Western manga translations of the time. Nowadays, however, The artwork retains its original orientation and also some other material which was omitted from the early versions. It's worth noting that while Viz stopped publishing the manga, it was still being translated and released in English in Singapore by a company called Chiang Yi, although it was still flipped to read left to right. In 2006, Viz combined several stories into a couple of volumes and was branded the best of Pokemon adventures this release used the same material exactly as it had been in the proper volumes. So all the artwork was still flipped to read left to right. While it was frustrating to fans that Viz decided to do these short compilations, they were apparently quite popular and paved the way for a proper re-release of the series which started in 2009. The 2009 reintroduction of the manga to American and other Western countries did not reuse the existing translations or materials of the earlier versions. This allowed them to change the flip artwork back so that it would read right to left. These new releases also included things which were omitted before, such as a map at the end of each volume showing where the main characters had travelled, a couple of pages detailing the Pokedex completion stats, what Pokemon they had, and what levels they were. Once the series had finally started to come out again, many hoped that Viz would continue past volume 7 this time. Luckily for the fans, this did happen. Viz has released or is currently still releasing the Red, Blue, Green Saga, the Yellow Saga, the Gold, Silver, and Crystal Saga, the Diamond and Pearl Saga, and the Black and White Saga. Currently, the company has no plans to release the Ruby and Sapphire, Fire Red and Leaf Green, Emerald, and the Heart Gold and Soul Silver Sagas. gone over a brief history of the series, I want to go a little more in depth with the original Red, Blue and Green volumes. These volumes cover the chapters from 1 up until 40 and span volumes 1 to 3. The series starts with the main character who is named Red. His character design is based from the early artwork of the playable character in the first games. This trend continues with all later main characters. We are first introduced to Red with him showing a bunch of smaller kids how to capture a Pokemon. Red is the local hotshot trainer in town, although it appears he has not been doing it that long. After leaving the group of kids, he comes across some Team Rocket Grunts, who he overhears talking about a phantom Pokemon that they are hunting. Red hears that it's been spotted in the West Wood, and of course he goes to investigate. Once he gets there, he stumbles across a rival character named Blue. He's battling against a phantom Pokemon, which just so happens to be Mew. Red watches on, but soon after Blue calls back his Pokemon. Red jumps out and says that he should capture it because it appeared as though he was doing well. Blue stands back as Red throws out his polywell but is swiftly beaten by Mew. This defeat prompts Red to reluctantly go and search out Professor Oak, although earlier in the day, while teaching those kids, he had said that they don't need Professor Oak for help, and that he would teach them everything they need to know. Once Red gets to the professor's lab, he accidentally lets out all of Oak's Pokemon. Oak finds Red in the lab and accuses him of being a thief. Red tries to assure him that he is not and then sets out with Professor Oak to re-catch all of the Pokemon. The last Pokemon that they need to catch is a Bulbasaur. They see it run inside the abandoned Viridian gym and go after it. Red calms the Bulbasaur down and just as the Pokemon is warming up to him, a Machoke appears. Red and Bulbasaur battle together with Red opening a window to let enough light in so that Bulbasaur can use solar beam. At the end of chapter 2, Red is given Bulbasaur and a Pokedex and then he sets out on his journey. I don't want to get into too much detail about exactly what happens with the story, but overall the Red, Blue and Green volumes are very enjoyable for fans of the Pokemon games. The manga bases some of the world mechanics and other game related things into the manga world. For instance, Pokemon have levels which can be identified through the Pokedex. The Pokedex is also apparently responsible for cancelling a Pokemon's evolution if a trainer chooses to. Pokedex entries also use the original game sprites when the screen is shown, which I found to be a cool use of original game material. As the story moves forward, Red starts to battle the various gym leaders throughout Kanto. One of the things that surprised me is that at least half of the gym leaders are evil in the manga and are somehow affiliated with Team Rocket's mysterious mission into genetic experiments. The gym badges also have special powers and are considered to be somewhat powerful in enhancing a trainer's ability. One of the scenarios with an evil gym leader early on that I found to be amusing is when Red encounters Lieutenant Surge. He uncovers that Surge is actually responsible for stealing Pokemon and using the SS Anne for exporting to Cinnabar Island. The main characters themselves are all quite different from one another. Red is quick-witted and has a can-do, somewhat sure-of-himself personality. Blue, who is his first main rival, is more cool and collected, and at the beginning looks down on Red quite a bit. It's worth noting that in the original Japanese version, Blue was actually named Green. The third character from the original saga is a girl named Green. She's the third trainer from Pallet Town, and had originally stolen her first Pokemon from Oak's Lab. Red's first encounter with her is when she convinces him to spend a whole heap of money on some dud Pokemon items, which Red only agreed to because she looked cute and she was pretending to be upset. Of course, after he works out that the items are no good, he tracks her down and confronts her, only to get scammed again. Green's personality is kind of sassy, and she's a fun character and somewhat of a humorous foil to Red. Although she starts out as a thief, and only really seems to want to do things to make money, She develops and ends up helping Red and Blue against Team Rocket and their various other enemies along the way. Unlike the anime, Pokemon Adventures isn't afraid to be slightly more mature in its storylines and themes. The manga world feels more dangerous. Pokemon are shown to be killed. One of the notable depictions is when one of Blue's Pokemon cuts an Arbok's head off. Another offbeat difference is that Pokemon can be seen while inside the Pokeballs. All the Pokeballs seem to do is shrink the Pokemon down. The characters frequently speak to their Pokemon while holding the ball. Overall, the story within the manga shows a more realised world than that of the anime, and even gives the reader a better sense of the world that maybe even the games do not. I know that would definitely have been the case back when only the Game Boy games were available. The creator of Pokemon, Satoshi Tajiri, has been quoted saying that this is the comic that most resembles the world I was trying to convey. One of the last things I will mention is that the Viz English translations are sometimes edited slightly. Some of the images and even some text are changed to tone down either some light violence or sexual references. One notable edit is when Green hides her pokeballs within her bra. That brings us to the end of another End Focus. I hope that you have enjoyed my overview of the Pokemon manga. If you have any comments or ideas please write them in the talkback to this connectivity episode. I hope that some of you out there will pick up the first few volumes and give this series a read, especially if you are a Pokemon fan as I think it is a fun series and offers a cool look into the world of Pokemon. The music for this section was taken from the album Pokemon Kana.
4: This is your host, Zachary Miller, uh, here for a special, very late segment about our last game club, Metroid Other M. Uh, joining me all the way from Des Moines, Iowa, is Andy Gergen. It's beautiful here. It's God's it, country. It? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, in his uh, his new home away from home in D.C., Andrew Brown.
0: Yes, usually from Australia, currently in uh, uh, Rockfort, Maryland, just outside D.C.
4: Excellent. Andrew was just with me at E3. We had a ball.
0: It was uh, eye-opening.
4: Andy, Andy, you did not miss a thing.
8: You know, um, I took a couple of days off work to help cover the news for the home team, and I still still feel like maybe I got the raw end of the deal, having to pay attention to that god awful news conference for for two days. <laughs> and I'm not just talking about Nintendo's; I'm talking about the entire thing. Yes. Uh, Industry wide was pretty lonely.
4: Although I don't know, man, I think that uh, Book of Spells might be the killer app uh, this this upcoming holiday season. We should we
8: should talk oh, yeah. about it for
4: a while. How much time do you guys got? I got some
8: time. Let's talk about it for like thirty <laughs> or forty minutes.
0: <laughs> I I locked up two people playing it then. while we're doing it oh really oh yeah (laughs) yeah i saw people playing it uh laughed at them and kept walking
4: oh is it actually on the show floor i didn't even get a chance to get to sony's booth
0: (laughs) Uh, yeah well um, screw that
4: noise we're we're not here to talk about any disappointing press conferences today we're we're here to talk about a disappointing two-year-old metroid game (laughs) Uh, that oh, was announced man. in 2009 at the first E3 I went to and I wept openly in the uh theater. Um I'm sure Neil called me a name. I remember and... that that reveal. It was so incredibly the thing
8: that was lacking from this year's E3. <laughs> I, I remember that was before I actually joined staff. It was right before cuz I joined in I think August later that year. Yeah. And uh, I was I was uh going back and forth with Lindemann on Twitter. Um, I'm not even sure why he even had me on his Twitter feed because he didn't know me, but yeah, we were uh, we were just talking about it, and we were he I think he was on his honeymoon during that. So that he, sounds right. Yep. So he could he couldn't go to E3, and um, I was just following the news from the office, and it was just such an epic reveal. we were just going back and forth talking about how awesome the game looked, and very excited that Team Ninja was working on a on a, on a Nintendo first party. It was it was so exciting, and then. We didn't learn anything else about the game for a really long time. Like we weren't we, we kept going back and forth trying to figure out if it was a 2D Metroid game or not. I seem to recall for months.
4: Well, I mean, whether it would be straight 2D or have other elements of the Prime games well, in because it. Because
8: they, they would show screens where it was in first-person mode. Right. And then they would show screens where it looked like a straight-up 2D Metroid game. Right. And then they would show the screens that were actually pretty indicative of what the game ended up being, which is sort of a...
4: Rocky sort of combination a, of both. Yeah,
8: exactly. Sort of a combination of both. Sort yeah. of a a normal th- third-person action game with controls that don't really work for a
4: normal third-person action game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, So so I was on the review right away, and I got it a year later, and I played... I played all of it. I mean, I got through the normal story, and then I got through uh, hard mode, and I did all the post-game stuff, and then I sat down and wrote the most damning review I've ever written for anything ever on this site. That's not true. But then I backed off. Oh, okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
4: I took a day, and then I rewrote it, and the version you see uh, on the site is the rewrite, I, wish, know, I, I think wish I wish I could find the original. I think it was accidentally deleted. I think I'd it like wasn't an email. Up there. D- didn't
8: you send it, send it to uh, the um, the staff in an email and ask us to look over it first? Probably. I bet I have it in my. I'm sure <clears throat> I've got it in my email. Then,
4: dude, if you've got it, send it to me because I'd like to read it. I'd like to read the rambling that, that angry say that, man.
8: Now that you say that, I seem to recall people talking you off of a cliff when you first <clears throat> wrote that review, and then you came back to it. I will bet you're right. Or maybe, if you still got I, I, that I could, I could also send be thinking I could also be thinking about Call of Duty for DS. So
4: God, that game was a piece of shit. It was
8: the same deal though. It was a, a review that was written and then rewritten a few times due to uh, uh circumstances.
4: <laughs> yeah. Different circumstances in that case. Yeah. Um Andrew, what did you uh think of the reveal and the lead up?
0: The reveal. Uh well, uh the game as you, were, as you were saying, looked very promising to begin with. Um, I don't know. I continu- I considerably uh, enjoyed the game a lot more in my initial playthrough than I was, uh, expecting. Uh, I mean, Team Ninja being the developer and everything, I was expecting some sort of, uh, raunchy DOA style, uh, fest of, of garbage, but, uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> not to, uh, to, uh, uh detract from the uh the team ninja games I mean uh what I have played is usually quite good but um uh I just didn't know if they'd be able to handle the the uh, character and the complex storyline and uh, the way that the metroid games generally uh tend to play out um i was uh I was pleasantly surprised with how uh cryptic the story was for the the amount of mystery i mean as we're, I'm sure we'll be getting to in a, a short time there was one particular point that um <laughs> didn't quite pan out by the end of the game, but uh, there was a lot of the mystery involved, a lot of the dark things where uh, you enter a room, something obviously has gone wrong, and you have to quickly deduct what has actually happened. Uh, a lot of the uh, eerie, silent areas that, uh, say, Fusion and Super Metroid uh, and other games have been, have uh, made a staple of the series, and... Um, uh that uh maybe i'm just a ridley fanboy but uh the uh the, that was probably the best uh, boss battle in the game that i've uh, ever seen hmm. and well seems,
4: but... you know i i you say that uh team ninja you questioned whether they could handle the complex plot and you know that brings up an interesting point we didn't know anything about the i mean we knew generally what the game was going to be about. Yeah, uh, okay, the, the reveal to had to happen. To Samus' days in the Galactic Federation, but yeah. we didn't know the story would be that complex, and based on previous Metroid games, I don't think anyone was expecting all that much. Um So I think part of the problem with the game, from my perspective, is that they, and this wasn't Team Ninja, this is Sakamoto, wrote about, you know, a Bible-length Storyline for something that had previously been as complicated as the space pirates stole that Metroid. I should go get it back. Well, it's really the same problem that they've had trying to adapt video, video games
8: to movies for years. You know, there, there's a reason there hasn't been a good one. It's because video games Silent Hill. generally don't make for good stories, which isn't to say they can't tell a good story during the game, but. The game is usually crucial to the enjoyment of it. You you don't generally take a video game and watch it like it's a movie. You it's it's an interactive experience. Metroid, unless of course you're playing Metal Gear. Well, yeah, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah, Metroid Um, in particular is is a a series based on quiet solitude. Um, And sure, I mean, putting backstory isn't inherently a terrible idea but it was always going to be problematic it was always going to be a challenging thing to make samus an interesting character because she's not an interesting character she's essentially silent she's she's mute she her her defining characteristic is either that she's a woman or that she wears a power suit take your pick um those are the two things people know about samus before before metroid fusion i guess and even
0: metroid mm. fusion I don't really know about that. I mean, there was the whole thing with the the baby Metroid, and uh, she. uh, I think it was the opening of Super Metroid established her as some hardened killer-type character who uh, uncharacteristically took pity on the baby Metroid, and this is what caused the the whole fiasco in the third game. Um, We have to uh, agree that this was at a time when the storyline had actually become considerably complex. This was uh, not long after Metroid Fusion. Had uh, given the first uh, inklings, I suppose, of, of a complete backstory to the character. Sure. And sure. around the same time, there was that. Uh, I think it was a webcomic. I can't remember the artist, but it was uh, someone who had worked on the series, and it would uh, it basically explained the entire premise of where Samus as a character came from, how she was raised by the the Chozo. Uh, it even said that the uh, Chozo were the ones who created the Metroids unintentionally. As uh, is, is this
4: a different something. thing than the manga? Uh,
0: I think it was the manga, but it was an online version that was like, animated and had uh, music oh, from the series put into it. Cool. it. It was on the Nintendo website, uh, the Japan one, for a while. Um, and uh, yeah, it was around a time when the, that had just come into play and I was like, okay, this is the The canonical story of the Metroid series up until now uh, better learn it because it's gonna be in all all the new games from now on. Um, With that said I'm not sure how close it was to the to the end result of Other M. I mean it it does seem to be uh, taking a few directions that we weren't expecting and uh, fleshing out uh, Adam's character a little more than uh, than I probably would have personally liked. But uh, I digress.
4: Fleshing him out as kind of an unfeeling jerk who's like, oh, she's taking damage in the uh, lava zone. I'm not going to let her use that very (laughs) soon until she's about
0: to die. Uh, That's my one major problem with the story. (laughs) Uh, That that scenario was just ridiculous. I I can understand that, oh, I'm not going to use this because he hasn't authorized it. Uh, I might accidentally kill one of the other Federation members or whatever. But that's when she's in complete
4: me. isolation, I mean that—that's one yeah. of the problems with the game. I mean, you never see those guys except in cutscenes. So, when you try to use like a morph ball bomb, and 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 Adam comes over the com and he's like, "It's not. I'm not going to let you do that." And you're like, "Well, there's nobody else here."
8: Well, like the like the various suit, like I, <clears throat> it's too dangerous to let you protect yourself from heat, like. <laughs> You
6: that's that's know. ridiculous. I know that,
0: that thing was the the area was physically killing her, and she's like, "No, I'm not going to turn it on. It'll be disrespectful." That uh, yeah, I, that tip the scales, and I then there's the, the giant boss. Oh, you can turn it on now.
8: The whole storyline just felt so incredibly inspired by Japanese anime, uh, anime, anime. I don't know. Um, it just, just animation. It, like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I don't watch a lot of it but I've it. I've seen a fair amount of it and it just it felt that type of incomprehensible like sure it makes sense if you're willing to kind of fill in some of the gaps where they don't do a good job of and honestly it's probably it's a translation issue to some extent like they could probably have been a little less literal in the translation and just kind of interpreted it a little bit more loosely and rewritten yeah. it to make it Right. or western friendly and honestly they could have just had the stupid thing done in not cut scenes but storyboarded with text and it would have been a lot less offensive yeah. it would have been a lot less movie like but the movie part of it wasn't that good anyway
4: no
0: that um, brings me to a, a thought about samus's voice which uh I am so glad they didn't give her a cliche British accent like Lara Croft, <laughs> because so many people, for years before that, say when Samus talks, she's got to sound like Lara. Um, I really hope that didn't happen. And when she, when we heard her talk in the trailer, I was quite impressed, and I was like, "That hey, she's a little boring sounding, but that's fine." But uh,
4: she doesn't sound British. She sounds like Data.
0: Yeah. <laughs> in the final <laughs> version of the game, she's a freaking walking dictionary. Of useless adjectives, and uh, I just uh, I don't know what they did or what they did wrong or anything like that. Uh, what what happens? That's she just talks endlessly about rubbish, and it's like you by the end of each sentence, you're like, okay, okay, I know what you're talking about. Let's get on with the story. I wanna I wanna go kill some aliens, and then she's like, oh, but but Adam looked down on me, and then I always gave my thumbs down and. And all this and that and other bullcrap and uh
4: yeah. At that moment, I wondered what Adam thought of me. Oh Jesus, turn <laughs> it off. Let's talk about the actual game, though, because okay, I, I, I think Please you can kind of divorce the two.
8: Like honestly, especially, I mean, especially when you can
4: skip the cutscenes.
8: Yeah, I played this time around on. Um, as, a, as my second playthrough, because I played through it when it first came out a couple years ago. And on your second playthrough, you were able to skip the cutscenes. And honestly, it makes the game... Well, first of all, I thought the game would be yeah, a lot more... In... I thought the game would be more enjoyable that way, but I did kind of find that... It's not that I don't want any story. I kind of want the story to just be better and more concise, because I found myself not really having any idea what the hell was going on, <laughs> which isn't all that different from the actual game, but even, <laughs> even more so, I was just like, well, I guess I'll just go the obvious direction that the map was leading me because I didn't listen to a single thing about what the next part of the, the story is supposed to be. So I'll just walk down this hallway cause it appears to be the right way forward. Um, but still, I think the game itself is, is, it's fun. It has some, it has some parts of it that feel very much like a super Metroid sure.
0: descent, yeah, descent exactly. um,
8: especially later on, once you get the screw attack, then things start to really open up. Uh, I, I think that um some of the some of the uh gymnastic stuff that you can do, it it, it feels pretty pretty decent. I like the morph ball implementation as well. I think that feels yeah. like, I think honestly, yeah. if you remove a lot of the story elements, it really does feel very much like a like a Metroid game. Um uh-huh. I really like I really like the uh the outdoor areas that are that are computer generated where you have to find the uh, little panel to turn off the uh the the, the hologram. That's a really neat effect. Uh, and it lets, it lets the game
4: feel maybe bigger than it really is.
6: Yeah.
4: I like um, that, too.
0: Yeah, and plenty and they of... hide uh,
4: items in really interesting places, too.
0: Yes, a whole lot of really hidden uh, chasms and secret walls to blow open and this and that, where uh, you're like, oh, uh, veterans of the series, They I like to call they have some sort of Metroid feel where you go down a room and you're like, oh, I bet there's an item there because that just looks too plain or too conspicuous or or not conspicuous enough or, or yeah. whatever
4: and it is um, nice how when you clear out the enemies from a room you can see approximately where things are
6: yeah
0: yes yeah.
4: now i but i will say that you know item placement is great finding items is great but i've said this before there was a whole rfn about other M. I i forget what episode it is but you can look it up pretty easily um in Super Metroid and Zero Mission and even Metroid Fusion, if you play your cards right, you can get 100% before you fight the final boss. Yes. And in 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 this game, you're literally locked out of certain areas uh, as you go. So you can't go back all the time and find 100% of the items. In fact, you can't um, until you're kind of post-game playthrough, and that's always bothered me. Um, I would like to go into that final boss, you know, fully decked well, out. Yeah. It obviously wouldn't make too much of a difference because what you've got when you go in there is enough to kill the boss, but still, um, you know, I think something's lost when you restrict the exploration in a Metroid game.
8: I seem to recall thinking that the um, the final... I'm not sure if it was the final boss, but it was the, it was the first-person mode... That you're where the, you're stuck in first person, right? the Final at the
4: pixel hunt.
8: It wasn't even a pixel <laughs> hunt. It was it was a missile fight. Um, yeah,
4: except it wasn't because if you focus on MB, the fight ends. Uh,
0: yeah.
8: Okay. I seem to. Rec- I, I I had forgotten that part. I, I remember. She like that runs past in the background
0: a, or something while the other crap's killing you from all angles.
8: I remember having a lot of problems with that and playing. it That is the, probably, the low point of the game. Yeah, I. <coughs> Played that and died, died over and over
0: times again before
8: for... I figured that out. Okay. Okay. I
4: died a few times before I remembered you could use the power bomb in that last boss fight. <laughs> oh yeah, sure, sure. But that last boss fight was pretty cool. What do you guys think oh, about the, the, the secret the boss uh... fight?
0: Yes. What oh, do you Both think... of them.
4: Sorry, Andy. Oh, sorry.
8: That's all right. Uh, what do you guys think about the Im- implementation of the first person mode? Awful.
0: Uh, it was pretty bad.
8: Yeah, I guess I was hoping someone would would disagree with me so I'd have something to talk about. <laughs> uh, um, there's, there's no conversation to be had,
4: we all agree. It's, it's, no, it's, it's bad. No reason that you once, can't use a button to lock on and fire a missile.
0: Yeah, once you're actually in the first person, it's not so bad. But the amount of times just playing the game normally that she would like, oh, you want to go into first person? I'll stop running now. Uh, just <laughs> by accident, and it got really disjointed and really frustrating.
4: And just, the pixel hunts, there's just no excuse for those. There's really not.
8: I just don't like how, how so locked you are movement wise once you're in first person mode. You can't you can't do anything. And that makes it you, really hard to ever wanna to ever wanna go into first person mode when you're trying to, you know when you you're become in a, in combat. a turret. You become exactly you become a turret. <laughs> you know, that that maybe that would be fine if we hadn't just played three Metroid Prime games. Yeah. But we have. <laughs> So it's hard to accept that Samus can't move while she's focused in on in in first person mode. That doesn't doesn't quite doesn't quite jive.
4: No. Yeah, yeah I, I, and, and the I, pixel
8: I, hunt stuff is, is is atrocious. It's absolutely. I think that's the low point of the game every time it happens. It's the, collectively the yeah. worst part of the entire game.
0: I seem yeah. to recall having, if there having, was having was a some sort of, with of one like right a, the... a readout that would point you in the right direction like, "Oh, you're getting warmer. It's this way." Yeah, that'd be Something nice. Something like that. I can recall
8: the one right before Mother Brain giving me the most trouble. Or not Mother Brain, sorry, Ridley.
4: Oh, yeah, the one where you're supposed to turn Mm -hmm. on the magma vents or something? Yeah, yeah. And you had to run to the... What I ended up having to do was running to uh, in between each tower along the periphery of that circle you're on and going into first-person mode and seeing if there was anything there. Oh, shit, no. Next one, dodge fireballs. Go into first-person mode. Is there anything there? Shit, no. You know, repeat. It <laughs> drove me nuts. Yeah. I, I'm not sure why those were in there. I mean, who? Nobody, nobody came up to Sakamoto or Team Ninja within Team Ninja and said, you know, none of our playtesters like these sections. Maybe we should cut them. I, I, I feel like those guys had way too much free reign and nobody was telling anybody no.
8: It does feel very much like, like a game where no one was allowed to disagree, except for maybe if the developer wanted to add nunchuck support then, and of course, that wouldn't have
4: worked. God. But just let me use the classic controller. Yeah. Ugh. Tiny D-pad does not work well for this kind of game.
8: Well, and just having to constantly, like, readjust your hands every time you point the remote at the screen gets really old.
4: Did did it ever happen to you guys where you would point the thing at the screen and it would not go into first person? Or you try to get out of first person and it would not get out of first person? Uh, no, I never had that. Uh, it happened to me quite a few times on this recent playthrough. It was driving me nuts.
0: Well, I had it once or twice when I wanted to enter into first person and she's just like standing there, but uh, not the other way around though.
8: Okay. But I have problems with just... my, with my infrared pointer on a fairly regular yeah, I, basis.
0: I have a, we- a right window just behind my TV that often yeah. messes with the, uh, oh, that
8: could have been it. I have one to the right of my, of my TV and it just, actually I have one to both sides of my TV and that's why I tend to, tend to play um, gamepads, NES style game pads, NES gamepad style games exclusively during the day and pointer stuff at night. If I have any say in the matter, Uh, Um, but Metroid is
4: both. So great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So we all agree that I guess Andrew likes the game more than we do. What would you like like to see? I like it. Okay. I I think,
8: I think that if you, if you discount the story, which is hard to do, it plays like a Metroid
4: game and that's great. Most first person stuff is awful. But if you take, if you take away 50% of the experience, it's great. It's, it's, it's a story of excess. It's a classic story of excess. Yes, I'll agree to that. Now, where would you guys like to see the series go after this?
0: I may The be elements in the, of
4: previous Metroid games would you like to see put in the next Metroid game, which of course has not been announced.
0: I may be in the minority here, but I actually liked the story of Fusion and the whole plot development where Samus became part Metroid. I did too. In and order they to didn't do anything and with that. Yeah, I want to see that explored further. What what consequences arise from it? What what challenges she has to face next?
4: The 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 queen metroid somewhere will develop a womb and give birth to a terrifying more human than metroid hybrid which will kill the queen. Is anyone getting this reference at all? No. Okay, no. it's from Alien Resurrection.
8: Oh, oh. sure. Okay.
4: Um, yeah, I on. I don't
8: mm-hmm. really have any interest in the Metroid storyline. I don't find it particularly compelling. It's it's I I think the story I think the games were better when the story was lighter. So sure. honestly, I'd rather them go back to Super Metroid, um, and just have a two D. I I'd love to see a gorgeous two D Metroid on the three D S um with with great like photorealistic graphics and light on story big on I want Super Metroid again. I want I want another one of those. And you know Fusion was good. I really and really enjoyed Metroid Fusion, but it was still more story heavy than I want my Metroid games to be. I don't care about Samus as a character. I don't find her a particularly compelling character. I find her games interesting and I find her games a lot of fun. Right. but that has nothing to do with her as a character. I think her as a character I, I like I like her weapons um, she has cool
0: powers yeah
8: she has cool powers absolutely she has cool powers but I don't I don't want to ever see a thumbs down again in my life
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah we're, we're done talking about her past let that get get on with it and, and show what new stuff she has to do. And, and no more slotting games in between other games. I mean, it, it's turning God, into no Zelda. Kidding. That's a cop-out.
8: Well, it, Zelda is, at least, every game is meant to be taken independently of the other ones. I mean, there are some obvious connections uh, where ga- certain games obviously take place after certain other games. But really, yeah. every Zelda... You know, before the official Hyrule timeline came out, I always stuck to the theory that The Legend of Zelda was a single story Retold, retold over over-told. generations, uh, yeah. and I still like that a lot better than the stupid timeline they gave us in that dumb book. Um, hey,
0: don't call that book dumb. Sorry, I got that book. It's
8: probably a very cool book. I, the timeline, I think, is is dumb. I I I, <laughs> I don't want a Zelda timeline. I don't think it's. I don't. It does not look like a thing that was planned from the beginning. It looks like a thing that some entry level employee at Nintendo was paid five dollars to to put together. Um. It feels like fan fiction, I guess, is really what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, there you go. Well, um, that's true. But Metroid doesn't have that excuse, because Metroid the Metroid games are all... Exist, like, what, within five to ten years of each other? They keep getting yeah. closer and closer together, because they keep... Like you said, they keep, they keep putting more in, in between each other. Like, isn't the entire Prime Trilogy take place before Metroid two. 1 and 2, or between Metroid 2? Yeah, two between and... 1 and 2. Okay. It's just... Yeah, they've got to stop. They've got to knock that off. Honestly... <laughs> Uh, let's just go with the, uh, the 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 theme of the decade for Hollywood, and let's reboot Metroid. I'd do it. Let's yeah. let's start over because what they have got right now is a mess, as far as I'm and, concerned.
0: And get rid of that stupid cosmetic surgery she did. She put on her face. <laughs> the Cindy Crawford mole. I hate that so much. As do I. I. I know it was, like, discussed for a long time before this game came out, like, oh, she's got a mole, but I'm not going to tell you where it is, and all this and that. Uh, But uh, it just looks so ridiculous. It it wasn't in the prime models, and they looked fine. And then they bought in this, and they're like, oh, suddenly there she's got this birthmark. And it's like, it looks like she drew it on with a Sharpie. It's ridiculous.
4: (laughs) Did anyone else think that she looked like a 16-year-old out of her power suit at the end of Echoes and... Um, 3, whatever 3 was called. I don't recall
8: that, uh, that at all.
0: Corruption. Corruption. I don't, I don't
8: recall her ever being out of her power suit in those games.
4: Yeah, if you get 100%, she gets out of her power uh, suit at
8: the yeah, end. Yeah, I've never gotten 100% in a single <laughs> Metroid game in my life. You, you
0: missed out on the ass.
8: Oh, there's YouTube. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to hunt for hours and hours and hours to find the last missile upgrade. I've got YouTube. I'll be good.
4: There you go. Um, I would like to see a 2D sprite-based HD Metroid game on the Wii U. And HD in the way that, you know, Rayman Legends is HD. Sounds
0: like oh, a, here we go. a way forward go. We're going to, to right? yeah, way forward territory. Yep.
4: Just give me some HD Metroid goodness. I mean, you could, re, like Andy said, remake Super Metroid, but in HD with really complicated backgrounds and hand-drawn character sprite art. It and would sound I like would cupcakes. buy that on day one. And have either of you guys seen Chibi Samus from Matt Bozon's Deviant Art page?
0: I believe I'm the one who linked you to that.
4: Oh, you did! It is yeah. adorable. Okay. Uh, yes,
0: I, I'll get I you doubt, the link later, Andy.
4: Yeah, I doubt they'd ever give Metroid to WayForward, but you know, they gave him the Team Ninja. Wave <laughs> 4 is
8: responsible call. for some of the most like some of some of the best Nintendo third party exclusive games of the last generation. Indeed. A Boy and His yeah. Blob, um Shantae, Switch, Switch Force. Mighty Switch yeah, Force. That's, I mean, even that's ben, entirely
0: Metroid inspired.
8: Yeah, I I think they absolutely should give Metroid to that team. That'd be that that would be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. It would. Well so There
4: you go, folks. Other M is you know, take it or leave it. Go play at Super least. Metroid instead. How about that? That's available on the virtual console for $8. I think at me- least me- the Metroid the
8: Rem is available at GameStop for $8, so you can do that too. So. <laughs> you overpaid. <laughs> Trust me, I didn't. I got it from the library.
4: Oh, yeah, that's right.
8: Actually, I rented it from Blockbuster first and got uh, some free Club Nintendo points for that. Thanks a lot, oh, Blockbuster. Nice. And uh, then I... Uh, I got it from uh the library for the second time around.
4: I need to go raid one of the other blockbusters in town cuz I, I did that like a year ago. I went to the one by our house and and wrote down every code I could nice. find. And yeah, uh, some of them were used up, but a lot of them weren't. They're they're closed down
8: most of their stores in in my area, so hopefully you still have a few left to raid.
4: There's like 3 in our in Anchorage alone. I think maybe we're four. I
8: think we're down to one or maybe two. There used to be a, you know, dozens of them, but not,
4: not, not anymore. Are you the one who told us that story about the T2 special edition? Yeah, that was funny as hell.
8: For those of you who weren't there, I, I was at a blockbuster that was closing. It was one of those deals where, like, every week they lower their prices ten percent more over the over the span of like three months or whatever, and it was pretty early on into their into their clearance their their, their store closing sale. <laughs> and I was looking at their the end cap by the register, and they had a DVD Blu-ray copy of Terminator 2 that was fairly nondescript. It was just sort of a black case with white print on it, um, and it was priced at, for, at $129.99, <laughs> but it was on clearance for like $84.99. And I was just like, "That's that's insane. Why could this possibly... <laughs> how could they possibly be selling terminator 2 for 124 dollars it turns out it was supposed to come with like a giant metal skull but
4: terminator head right yeah
8: they weren't selling the giant metal skull they were just selling the discs and so i pointed it out to the employees and they kind of sheepishly said that's not a good thing and they put it behind their counter (laughs) and i went back two days later and it was right back on the damn shelf Uh, so i really hope someone bought that. that that's fantastic
4: that would be funny uh it's All right. the only way it's the only way to get that movie on Blu-ray. Is it really? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I got it for there's eight
0: dollars like, at Target. There's like ten different versions, isn't there?
8: There's a lot of versions of that movie. Yeah. Yeah, there used to be this this special edition on VHS that had like a couple of extra scenes, and that was like my favorite movie when I was a grown up. So I used to go to the the Blockbuster and rent the special edition over and over again because I don't it was really expensive to buy it but you could just rent it over and over again. And then finally they put it out on on, on DVD. And I think even the first DVD didn't have that stuff on it. It took like a couple of releases to get those those, uh, extra scenes.
4: They always do that. Make you buy the next
8: ones. Of course. I think Terminator 2 has been double-dipped a hell of a lot of times for a movie that's that old. Yeah.
0: So So special edition Metroid Blu-ray comes with a uh, mother brain in a tank
4: and a giant porcelain <laughs> thumb <laughs> <laughs> that can be rotated up or down <laughs> oh God I think that's our cl- that's our cue
8: it is all right yeah well, it's late guys. I'm getting silly yeah. Good to talk to you bye bye
1: Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to send your questions to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com and please rate and review us on iTunes.